Hello and welcome to Med Talks, conversations by medical students for medical students. I'm Deborah and I'm joined by my partner Joey and today we're going to be taking you through some of the questions that linger in the back of our minds when going through med school. So we're fortunate enough to be joined by Dr. Leila Fay. She's an intern doctor at New Somerset Hospital and she's promised to offer us her guidance and experience on this topic. Thank you for the intro, Debbie. Yeah, hello guys. Welcome to Med Talks and our discussion today. We hope you're enjoying the content that we're putting out currently. Please remember to give us a follow on our social media pages, which is at MedTalkZA, where you can give us some feedback, ask us some questions, slide into those DMs. Now, moving on to today's episode, as mentioned earlier by Debbie, we are joined by the lovely Dr. Layla Fay. Um, Layla, how are you doing today? I'm actually doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm super excited. The pleasure is only ours. I'm so excited. We're so excited to be chatting to you as well. Leila, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself, where you studied, where you are now, and then we'll get into the show. So I'm Leila. I am 26. I was born in Cape Town, then grew up in a small town in the eastern Cape called Mtata. Did my whole primary school, high school um, there, mm-hmm. and then... For university, um, I was like, I'm either going to stay here or like go to Cape Town. Mm-hmm. Um, so I applied at quite a few different universities. But what I noticed at the time was your first option always has to be medicine. So I applied for medicine, got in at quite a few of the universities, and then ended up picking Stellenbosch um, Ooh, at the wine. end. Wine. So a great choice. <laughs> so most of my family goes to UCT. And I was just like, do I want to just, you know, break the barrier, just mm-hmm. do something different mm-hmm. than I actually did? So I think oh. that was like my one of the, the things that pushed me the deciding um, to go to Stellenbosch. Yeah, and it was just like a new scenery. It was a different place. Um, mm. It's really exciting, new. yeah. And I and coming from like a small town, like Umtata, like nobody actually, like the, our um, sort of attraction is Nelson Mandela who lived in the town 50 kilometers away. So like <laughs> I came from like a really small town, very family focused. I knew most of the people in the town. And then coming to university, it's just like, like a it's new like world. Big Cape Town, the beach is there, the mountain is there. It was really exciting for me. And I also didn't want to be too overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, going to UCT because I also felt that like it was safer for me to go to a place where nobody knew me yeah. and who I knew nobody so I could sort of like reinvent myself and like figure myself out get to know myself without mm. having like other pressures yes. yeah well what what an experience eh um so firstly I just want to ask um if you could just take us through how your curriculum was set up and in what ways do you feel it adequately prepares you so at Stellenbosch, we have a six-year program. The first year is mostly focused on just like basic sciences, basic pathology, and just like pharmacology. Okay. And then you get into your second year, which is mostly, which is like your big rotation. So cardiology, respiratory, endocrinology, and then you go through the rotation. But while you go through the rotation, you do the dissection at the same time you do the rotation. So dissection in the morning and then you have um, lectures in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So every so everything is like really like integrated the way that it's set out, which I really enjoyed. Like you do you do physiology of the respiratory system, then you do the then you do your dissection and then you do the pathology. And I really enjoyed that about Stellenbosch. Mm, it makes sense um, to do and it like then, that. So that was my second year. And then also in your second year, you have an introduction to clinical medicine. 
So you start going to the hospital, Jeez, you, you get guys, a mentor doctor. You start early, hey? Really early. And like you can imagine, like I'm like in my second year, I don't know anything. Mm. You <laughs> paired up with this doctor who now like obviously like teaches you all of these things and mm. it's like your first interaction with the patient and you just you obviously have to get consent and you're just like really um scared because yeah. it's like You've only been here for five minutes, and now there's a patient. <laughs> so an expectation. Very, yeah, and like you have big, big expectations of yourself. But yeah. I think I really appreciated going to the hospital so early because it really um, helps you identify the gaps, the gaps that you have. Mm. So when I see a patient now, I'm a lot more confident. My rapport just as everything flows. Like you gauge the energy of the patient and you adjust yourself. Yeah. Like, and there's like little things that you pick up from being in a clinical space for so long. And yeah. I think I really appreciated that about Stellenbosch. No, so that was your first and second year. Yeah. No, I must say that's actually quite incredible because um, at Tux, we only really get like more of an orientation towards the end of our third year with clinical medicine but it can be very difficult for us because when we go into our rotations our blocks and our rotations don't correlate so you'll be doing like oh. into internal medicine in the morning and then in the afternoon you're doing like obs and gyne so yeah, gyne class <laughs> yeah so that's like it's it's a bit difficult Ends of the spectrum. yeah basically so that's something that i really appreciate about celebosh is that the the way that they set up the curriculum is really it's actually they actually took time to think about how they were going to do everything yeah. and um i i really appreciated that like now in hindsight i was like they actually thought about what they were going to do with us and um i really appreciate going going from like second year and like just being exposed mm. and then the other thing that i well it's one of my like sort of i have like a love hate relationship with this memory mm-hmm. so um i was in i was in the end of my second year and you're supposed to watch like three deliveries like mm-hmm. um nbd deliveries mm-hmm. so i went to mowbray Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, we're gonna like catch a baby now, or at least watch this baby being caught. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So I'm like standing there with my clinical partner, who's actually one of my close friends, Nadila, mm-hmm. and like we're standing there and we're just watching this lady give birth. And in that moment, I was like, Layla, are you sure you want to do this thing? No, and I can completely was, understand you why you'd ask. Or watch this. <laughs> so my friend was. Like my friend, she was like literally, like she she looked really pale, and mm-hmm. I was like, Nabila, please, like I caught a chair for her, and she was just sitting there and like hyperventilating, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, the China push the chair, but also looking, and the baby was coming out, and I'm like, oh my god, what is, what is this? <laughs> No, but that's like, that's definitely I can completely relate. Um, the first time I saw a woman give birth, I also almost fainted. Like I had to leave the room. So I completely understand. Like I don't think you ever be ready to see a woman giving birth until you're like ready, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like until you're there. And like, and then I had like a completely opposite experience at the beginning of the year when I did Obzengani. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my Obzengani fam. Um, <laughs> I the nurses and like the team were so awesome, and they were really um keen on like helping me learn. Yeah. So this is how oh, you deliver nice. baby. 
this is how we'd like you to do this, step by step. And yeah. I think there's always this assumption that um, the interns just know, sort of know what they're doing, but like sometimes you really don't. <laughs> and the yeah. sisters in the department like had become my friends. So whenever there was a delivery, I'd be like, no, if you're busy with that, please go and eat lunch. Like, I'll deliver the baby. And mm-hmm. um, just little things on how to properly do um, control traction, um, mm-hmm. how to properly suture and episiotomy afterwards. Like these little nuances that like the patient appreciates and like mm-hmm. the nurses appreciate. And I think another thing that I, that I, that I really enjoyed about like the team um, in Obzingani is they want you to do things from start to finish. So mm. I think that there's always, especially with doctors, like you do your work and you leave. Yeah. And I was sitting with um with one of the nurses and they're like, the one thing that they don't like is when the doctors don't clean up after themselves. And I think you as a senior doctor, you sort of forget about the little the kind little things. things and like yeah. manners. Like, yeah. like cleaning up after yourself is like a manner thing. It's like something that you're taught. If you're not taught to clean up after yourself, you don't do it. Yeah. And after that, I realized, I'm like, how many times did I not do this? think of the next person? Yeah. And that was a big, so I have like big takeaway things from the different rotations. And like from Abzangaini, I thought my takeaway from them was just think about the next person. Yeah. And I think going through all of my rotations and just picking up things and like just helping myself become a better doctor. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that, if I look at myself at the beginning of last year and I look at myself now, I have anxiety. So mm-hmm. it's just something that I'm always going to live with. Yeah. But learning and like applying yourself and exposing yourself, like all of the things that would make me anxious a year ago would have basically been quelled because I know how to manage myself and I know how to manage myself in a team. And I think mm-hmm. it's very, very important to pick up these things because it's not about you. Yeah. It's about a patient. And it's about working with other people. And it's just, and, at, yeah, at the um, end of the day, you know, you kind of just have to remember, like, why you're in it, why you're doing this, like, what this is actually about. It's not, you're not yet to appease your own ego. And I think that's a very, uh, that's something I actually really want to do, like, chat about is mm. people getting to, going to medicine for very different reasons. Some people are like, I want to save lives. Other people are like, this is something that my family did, so I mm. should probably also do it. But I've studied with people who were into medicine for a title. Mm. And there's a lot of always, that. And it always it really gets to me that there are people like that because there is somebody else out there who wanted to do this for the right reasons. And I'm not saying that wanting a title is a wrong reason, but it is a questionable reason. Yeah. And mm. I always feel like your your heart is not in this if yeah. you just want the title at the beginning of your name. And this also like goes to um this other thing that I at the beginning of last year, when people would call me Doctor Faker, I'd just be like I just wouldn't it wouldn't sink in my head. Mm-hmm. So when I started a rotation and I'd meet people, I'm like, please call me Leila or else I will not respond because <laughs> my name my name for for 24 years of being Layla. Yeah. So, no, I hear you. even now, the nurses in any department will call me by my first name. And I know some people are like, no, um, you shouldn't allow that. And it's like a respect thing. We studied for six years. And I'm like, at the end of the day, like, we're all people. We all have the same goal. Doesn't, doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Because no, we all have, and like, this goes back to like teamwork and like, 
work and like just being on the same level and having the same understanding as other people. It's so, so, so important. So if you humanize yourself and you're just like, I have this knowledge and I have these things about me, but at the end of the day, I'm a person. People are more, are more eager to help. They're more easy to be like, it's easier to be kind to you. It's easy. It's easier for you to be kind to them because you get each other on like a semi-personal level. Yeah, and you, like, that's you, the vibe I try to give off. Well, it sounds like you've got the right, the right insight into that. I agree completely. Whenever a doctor is less formal, even to students, and he says like, you know, call me by my name or like to, to the sisters, the sisters are more willing to work with that doctor because yeah. they're interacting on a personal level. Like you said, it's a very, very insightful mm-hmm. thing of you, of you to say. Thank you for that. Um, now, Leila, that you have taken us through how your curriculum was basically set up and which ways it benefited you and adequately prepared you. Where do you think it fell short? What did you have to learn on the job as an intern? So the thing that, um, and like I know, I, like this is a thing that I speak to students about a lot. So I am a big advocate of being fair to students because I mm-hmm. was one. Mm-hmm. And being a student is like basically having two jobs. During the day in the hospital, yeah. when you get home, you have to study. Please tell that to, and I think please tell that to all the other doctors. <laughs> so I think, and it's hard because like in, in retrospect, if I'm thinking about where I am now, I work eight to four and mm. I go home and I go sleep. I do other things with my time. Pre-COVID, yeah. I'd go to the beach. <laughs> I hang out with my friends. But med students don't have that luxury. You, you're done with, with campus. You go home. Maybe take a nap, eat, do some self-care, and then you're grinding. And mm-hmm. we often lose track of that. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, just it's, being a student is very difficult. So nobody actually, so none of the doctors, I went to Stellenbosch, and I remember there being some irritations where um, there was this expectation that you have to be there all the time, even if you're doing nothing. And I really wish that there was more advocacy on um if there's nothing to do let the students go home but yeah. we have a log book and like i think that's the thing that 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 is um something that happens throughout med school that you have to fill in your log book you need certain, a certain amount of signatures to yeah. pass the rotation and i understand why it's there but it also causes a lot of anxiety mm, for does. like students and like now in hindsight when the students come to me they're like scared and like they're just like um Okay, can you please, um, can you please just, um, yeah, my thing? Because we feel like we're, in, yeah, we're intruding. Yeah, begging, begging for a signature. Yeah. You're like on your knees. Like, just please sign here. Yeah, and I'm just like, and a lot of this, like I have like really, really good chats with, uh, with the students. And regardless of like which university you come from or which year you're in, the complaint is the same. And it's just students aren't always respected. Yeah. And I, I like feel that. like I agree that, with that. I, I feel like they are part of the team. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I can understand that. Like <laughs> they, they sort of hinder some of your work, mm. but you have to have a little bit more compassion towards them. And, yeah. um, that's why I, I really like, like take them under my wing and I'm just like, I know how you feel. <laughs> if I can't, if I am in a position to, um, to help them, I'm always there. Ask me a question. Let me know how I can help. We need more um, interns. So, like, yeah, that's, no, that's <laughs> for sure. I think it's, um, I don't think maybe you realize the impact that you have on your students' lives because I know I clearly vividly remember any, any doctor that's walked into my life and like showed me compassion. 
Um, and I've always remembered the things that they've taught me. So it's I definitely hear what you're saying and I 100% agree with. We applaud you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so um, oh yeah. Yeah. Back onto the wet fall short, where mm-hmm. I keep on digressing. Mm-hmm. But um, wet fall short, I definitely think that there, there is a very big focus on specialized domains and not mm-hmm. enough focus on primary care. I agree. Yeah. I basically do a lot of primary care, and I didn't realize it. Like for me, when I was going through the blocks, I was just like, oh. Oh, the specialized um, domains are like really exciting, like, ooh, Opsal, and also and this and mm-hmm. that. But you lose focus of the fact that after all of these six years, you're a GP, and yeah. you need to know GP things. Yeah. Um, and now that I'm an intern, and I'm going to do family medicine, I'm like, family medicine is such a an important part of medicine, because it's like... And I feel like G- like GPs get a bad rap, like, oh, you didn't specialize. But they are so important. I completely and, agree, yes. And I wish I could like advocate for them a lot more. And being a GP is very difficult. You literally, you have yeah. to, like, you pick jump. up on everything. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. nothing that you can't not notice. And you jump. I, I remember when we were doing GP work in our fourth year. You jump from one specialty to another, like, within five minutes. Like, it's very intense. And your knowledge has to be very sound in everything that you know. Because you need to know something about everything. You can't just refer mm-hmm. either. It is primary care, like yeah. you said. And you also need to know how to refer and what to refer. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what. And you also have to keep, like, so if you're working in like the public sector, at the end of the day, you want to use, you want to benefit the patient the most with the least amount of resources. Mm. So if you're just like, okay, I have this tiny patient, what are the guidelines? And you have to like remember what the guidelines are. And you're like, um, this patient can only get um, a pap smear this amount of times in this amount of, in this amount of time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you don't want to incur unnecessary costs to the patient yeah. because at, at the end of the day the patient has to bear the cost or like the government and you obviously want to try to reserve funds so when something like COVID happens they, you as a doctor you as, as part of like your little little contribution you're not making too much of a dent because all the little things that you do have a knock-on effect on big things and um, it's, it's very important of like to, to realize and to like reflect on, is there an easier way to do this? Am I doing this properly? Mm. Am I making like, cause like, the other thing I was also thinking about digression again <laughs> was, um, the environmental impact of something like COVID. Cause mm. everything is now single use. All of the stuff is being oh. oh, wow. yeah. Nobody's actually. actually thinking and talking about this. And, Every time you use, um, you put on the PPE and you dispose of it, you know it's going to get incinerated. Yeah. What is the effect of this? In because COVID doesn't have a timeline. Yeah. Um, COVID, it, it's just like this long, drawn out thing that has no end. And because it's been going on like this, you don't know if this is going to last a year or two years or five years. But all of this PPE and all of these things that we're doing have an effect and we don't know what the long-term outcomes are. And I think this is, it's really important to um, be, to keep up to date with all the research that's being done, um, with all the articles that are coming out, what's the best practice. And yeah, that's just my two things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I definitely, um, I think you raise a very valid point and I think it is something that 
should be spoken about and how we should actually like move forward with it because as you say like COVID doesn't have a timeline. We don't know when this is going to stop. This could be our new seasonal flu, for all we know. Yeah. We just hope that vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere the, next year, then like, the vaccine, life can go back to normal. It needs to pull through. So um, <laughs> now that we've kind of just like spoken about what we feel is really pivotal and important, do you feel that in med school that there were any blocks or rotations that weren't necessary? That weren't necessary. Yeah. Well, if any. If any. I- so I don't think, I think every rotation that you do has its place. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like some of the rotations could definitely be restructured to um, be agree. more on a, on a, um, on a more primary care basis. Because when you're doing your rotation, it's very specialized. And to be honest, I don't remember much <laughs> of anything really without going back to it. Yeah. But the things that I do remember are all clinical based. So the, what I always try to remember in any rotation are what do I need to know as a GP? That was that, and that was the way I studied. It's a good approach. So, so my approach to medicine wasn't. So I I can be honest here and be like I wasn't like a cool student, mm. but I know that I left med school knowing how to be a GP. Yeah, yeah so, equipped with the tools that, that is going to literally help you to give mm-hmm. adequate primary care. So, I don't know what the pathophysiology of some of the disease is, but if you bring me an eye and you tell me, doctor, um, I work as a welder and something went into my eye, I know I know how to do your examination. I know that I need fluorescein and something to relax your eye. I know how to remove things out of your eye. Those yeah. are, for a GP, that's important. And that's, that's, what's, patient, that's what's going to make you a with, safe whatever. doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you also need to, you also need to like hold yourself accountable, like with whatever decision that you make. So if you decide on whatever course of management, you need to, you can't just be practicing like cowboy medicine and being like, oh, this looks good. Um, <laughs> oh, I've seen other people do this. Yeah. I should also do it too. I love that you phrase, to, cowboy medicine. <laughs> Yeah, because like we we that, that's just the reality of what happens, and um, you obviously need to update yourself. You need to um, so this is why on my Instagram page I have a lot of apps like useful apps that I use. Yeah, and um, that's why I sort of try to push the the narrative. Like we're in a really um uh like in a very I don't know technological age where we use our phones for everything, mm. and yeah. um, why not just use these things, these free apps? But give you this information on how to be better, how to do better, how to practice the best medicine. And I must say, and it's really just sorry. It's really nice that you actually share these things because I know as a student, like I obviously follow you on Instagram, and it's really nice because sometimes you're not even aware that these things are available for you. And I generally mm-hmm. have like you know all of these apps open like out when I'm working in the clinic just to check myself, and that's the best way that you learn. So thank you so much for you know going through with that and doing that and continuing to help educate us. Like it's very important. Leila, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you. Thank you for the life lessons Jeez, that, yes. that you gave and the no. beautiful quotes on top of all the information <laughs> that you provided us. I feel very empowered and also I feel like um, there's definitely some things, yeah, some shortcomings that I can see in myself that I'm willing to admit and yeah. take be be courageous <laughs> no but kind. i definitely i hear you and i think a lot of the things that you've had to say are 
very important things that we um, can use actually yeah and i think um people with your insight you know it's definitely something that needs to light needs to be shared more on mm. on the things that you like you yeah we do <laughs> at the end of the day that's it oh, thank you. <laughs> so thank you so much um for for coming on and sharing and uh, just imparting your knowledge with us we really appreciate it um and then we just also want to say thank you so much to our listeners we really appreciate the constant support um, that we get from you guys and yeah just please if you guys would give us a like or a follow um, and if you have any comments or queries critiques anything like that you guys are more than welcome to just let us know um so yeah that's it from us thank you so much guys remember to check out medstagram yes please thank you so please. much Layla. thank you so much dr Yay. Layla Faye. <laughs> dr. Layla. <laughs> okay bye <laughs> pleasure bye